Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. Everybody who's listening right now is looking for trends. They're trying to walk to where the world is now, and by the time they get there, the world moved on. If you go to your thing and set a fucking flag on your thing, the world comes to you. Every kid I grew up with, who got talked out of playing video games because they had to be a doctor or a lawyer by their parents, could have had the talent to make $10 million a year being an eSports star. But in 1988 to 1993, who the hell knew that eSports was coming? I think that's the point people miss when they hear entrepreneurship, when they hear hustle and grind. They forget that the person who loves what they're doing is gonna beat the person who doesn't love what they're doing. It's because if you don't know who you are, it's over. If you could take a vacation to anywhere in the world, where would you go? Hmm, kind of think I want to go all around the world on a cruise. Well, Princess Cruises sails to over 360 destinations worldwide. Better yet, there's never been a better time to plan a vacation with Princess Cruises than during one of the most popular sales of the year. Three for free, what? On over 200 cruises across every destination, guests will enjoy free onboard spending money, free gratuities, and a free stateroom location upgrade. Visit princess.com slash james for details. That's princess.com slash james. Chip and Dan Heath, the New York Times bestselling authors of some of my favorite books, Switch and Made to Stick, return with a groundbreaking new book, The Power of Moments. And I think this is a very special book. The Power of Moments explores why certain brief experiences can jolt us and elevate us and change us and how we can learn to create such extraordinary moments in our lives and work. To download the first chapter of the book for free, visit thepowerofmoments.com slash james. It's almost like these things came out of nowhere. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. A few years ago, they were pennies, and now Bitcoin is over $4,000 a coin. I call these currencies choose-yourself currencies because they don't depend on any institution, any government, any bank to function. 
and they're just simply exploding in price right now. It's unbelievable. Some have jumped as high as 3,000%, 21,000%, and even a rare 81,000%. Again, it reminds me of things like the dot-com boom in the 90s. Stocks were going up 20, 30% a day. Everyone said it was a rational exuberance, but they kept going for another five years, and some of them are still going. So if you're missing out on this boom, don't worry, you're not alone. We're just an inning. I don't know if we're an inning zero anymore, but we're an inning one. Most people are not investing in cryptos simply because they don't even know how to get started. So I decided I want to do something about that. I want to inform everyone listening how to get started. I'm offering a free six video series masterclass on cryptocurrencies where I'll walk you step by step through the entire process. If you're interested in claiming this free masterclass, please go to altature.io. That's altature.io slash masterclass, where I'll give you all of the details. Any luck on the Jets? <laughs> you mean buying them or yeah. their upcoming season? Buying them is a you know it's going to be a nice twenty year uh, journey. Why don't you buy an option on buying them and then you, raise the money to buy you to know execute funny? that option? You know what's funny? First of all, it's like solely owned by the Johnson family. When Woody passes away, that's when it becomes available. Okay, but it's interesting. The whole Jobs Act. Like, I actually think I'm going to get America to buy the Jets for me. Yeah, you could crowdfund. I think I'm going to crowdfund the whole thing. That is such a fucking awesome I idea. I genuinely think that that could literally happen. Like, when I think about it for real, if, like, I just think there's a chance that might be the way it ends up. Like, you that would be the perfect bow to the whole fucking Why thing. Why don't you start the Kickstarter campaign right now? Not yet. I mean, it's too premature. I still need a lot more leverage. Like, you know, I don't know if I can raise $2 billion just yet, but... Wouldn't that be the amazing, though, the biggest Kickstarter campaign ever to buy a football it, it, team? You know, and promise to, like, renovate the whole area, you know? It would like, be incredible. Like, I mean, there's, like, it's really kind of, it's what I'm doing. Yeah. It's what I'm doing. Like, it's basically what I'm pumping into the atmosphere. Yeah. At scale. Well, what do you Consist- mean by pumping into the atmosphere? It's what I've been talking about every single day for the last fucking 15 yeah. years and will for another 20 years, and my voice gets louder exponentially every day that goes by. Does the Johnson family know you? Yeah, I mean, they know, but but it's not something we really talk, like it's, you know, I don't have the audacity. I think it's, I think it's not crass. I, it's just inappropriate to really talk about because it's not realistic. I know what his plans are, which is never to sell. Right. I know that I can't afford it right now. So why, you know, I don't want, you know, those people that are like, I'm going to buy, like, I just, you know, I, I, it's my aspiration. The process of trying to buy them is my great love affair, uh, like professionally. Like the process is the game. So why why is we've been recording all along, by the way. Got it. <laughs> so why, sounds about sounds about right. Why why is buying the jets like your aspiration? I don't know. I mean, like it's been there for a very long time. Like you, you know, long I mean, fourth, fifth, sixth grade in my yearbook. These yeah, are no, things, I know. You know? You've talked about it so, forever. I'm not sure. You know, the the romantic version now in my mind is it was the first Americana for me. And it became, it, it's really yeah, the one. Yeah, moved here. Yeah. You know. And by the way, I made my friends in Edison, Jersey because of it. It's like one of the first moments of caring about anything in this country. So I've romanticized the narrative in hindsight, but who the hell knows? But you know, this brings, this segues into a really important point, which I think a lot of people get confused in your specific message. You know, you go out there and like, 
tell people, you know, the, the phrase hustle yes. or do something yeah, or, or get started. But I think when you go back, people want to know, and you just did an amazing video, which we're going to talk about called How Do I Start? And I think the how do I start goes back to fourth or sixth grade. Don't start with money. Start with what did you love from fourth to sixth grade, from four to eighth grade? What like set your heart on fire? And for you, it was the Jets. It was your family's business in the wine business. You had these things that were your initial loves and that, and that you still love. Yeah, I, I love the game. I like when it would snow, I would get excited because I knew that A, I wouldn't go to school and B, I was going to round up Robbie Turnick and Andy Greco and Eric Godfrey and Michael Gorelick and we were going to go and shovel snow. Like I couldn't wait for Marissa Bird to come over and like, let's shovel snow. Like, like when it would be nice outs, like every third day in the summer, we were either doing lemonade or washing people's cars. Like I've been infatuated with work my whole life. So, so work, the mechanics of business, the jets, yep. wine, mm -hmm. these are all things. So, so I, I don't want to ignore the fact that uh, the jets was something you loved as a kid and it's still something in your kind of business dialogue right now. Like, 100%. Like, like, like you're not a professional football player, but interests age in ways that we don't know as a kid. But now, how old are you now? 41. It's 41. So interests age. So 41, you're not going to be a professional football player, but you can build a life around this passion you had when you were 10 years old to own a football team. You know, what's interesting is, you know, I'm trying to follow where you're going with this. It also manifests in different ways, which is something I don't talk about at all once in a blue moon for the people that watch me, the hardest core is the Jets are my great escapism and equalizer to the real hardcore difficulties of my life. There is three to five hours every Sunday, 16 weeks a year, where I genuinely don't care about anything else in the world but what's going on in that football field. And I mean like tunnel vision. And you and you love it. Like you feel it in your chest, right? It's and not you know, like a brain thing you're trying to solve. It's like, oh my God, I get to sit back and watch this thing and I've honestly, loved for 30 years. And honestly, it's balance. And what I mean by that is in a world where I have all the pressures on me, when you're an entrepreneur and it's your world, everything's your fault. Everything is on you. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of pressure. It's something that's not talked about in the modern day entrepreneur conversation. It's all rock star status. Right. And it's because I think most people who use the word entrepreneur don't Loosely. know what entrepreneur is. Or yeah. we use it, we use entrepreneur in the following way. I'm an entrepreneur, which for a lot of people then deems that you're already successful. You know, if I said I was a singer, you'd be like, that's nice. But we would all know that you're not a successful singer. You're not making money singing. I think right now, because we've lived through a great economy for almost a decade, anybody running around saying they're an entrepreneur, that's the win in itself. Yet we you know, all know a lot of them are gonna end up with jobs when the economy softens. I, I just, I'm very concerned about the word, not for any other reason, not that I'm romantic about it or I'm an entrepreneur and you're not, I could care less about that. I just don't want people to get hurt. Like there's a lot more suicide, there's a lot more depression because people are putting themselves on blast putting themselves out in front of everyone and a lot of them are gonna fail and unless you're actually an entrepreneur, which means, let me, let me clarify this, it means you like losing. Like, like, I need people to really understand this. If you are actually a purebred entrepreneur, you love scarlet letters. Well, and it's, and it's losing every day. There's small losses, there's every medium day. losses, there's big losses. You like it. 
You're, you're romantic about Rocky going back to his home in Philly. You're romantic about battle scars. I like when people whisper negatives behind my back. Well, you know, it's like, it reminds me of, I'm, I'm going to miss you, Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. But when when you're starting a business and there's a problem, you often have to lean into the problem to find the solution and find even a better solution. Like I'm sure you, like you run an agency, right? And I've run an agency in the yeah. past. When you have a problem with, a client, they call you up and say, Gary, we need to talk. You don't avoid the client. Sometimes you go right into it and say, you know, what's the problem? And let's over over promise and over deliver to solve it. I'm a firefighter. I run into every problem. Like, that's just what I do. I mean, I don't know what else. Like, I want everybody to come with all their problems to me all the time. Like, I eat shit for a living. Yeah, well, you know, it's so funny because you all, you obviously have a, a great Instagram feed and we're going to talk about it in a second, but there's so many photos of you where you're giving like optimistic quotes, yes. but you're just like looking at the phone and you lo- you're looking yes. down at the phone. You look sad. There's like, I, I there's mean, like a meme uh, that someone it. could create, like sad Gary, yeah, I, where you're just looking at the phone <laughs> kind of depressed. <laughs> I, you know, what's funny is like, I, I'm very happy in that chaos. I'm happy in the stress, but this is my point. Like I watch people every day. I'm an investor in hundreds of companies at this point. Uh, we're co- we're co-investor in many deals, actually. And as you know, a lot of them don't like it. They want all the good stuff that comes along with it. Well, people, I find often two things. One is people talk about exit almost before they talk about value. Like, and I don't want to hear that. The other thing is, if someone, if once I invest in a so-called entrepreneur, if they call me for help, if they've reached down their Rolodex and hit me and my phone number, then I know it's a zero probably. That's such a good point. I uh, I get it. I get it. I um, I have a business partner, Stephen Ross. He owns the Miami Dolphins. He's worth $12 billion. He's one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. And he yells at me once every 100 days. What is he, he, what's the sample yell? I don't understand why you don't use me. And it just made me think of that. Like, I would never call anybody. Why don't you use him? I don't know. He's telling you to. I don't want to. Like, I don't know what else to tell I, you. I, I relate to that. Like, I hate asking people for favors I'm not and stuff, interested. But sometimes... I, I'm not sometimes, saying... I'm, you're, but whatever you're about to say is 100% right. It's just not right for me. I understand. But I, I, this is more... Um, to help the audience? No. This is to, <laughs> this is to maybe help you, but, but you, I'm sure you've already... I thought it... <laughs> They feel good helping you. Yes. They want you to call them. I'm a hypocrite. All I want to do is help people. I'm obsessed with it. I like that emotional leverage. I have that emotional guilt. Do you think it's an insecurity? Like you're 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 becoming vulnerable if you ask Steve Ross for help? Yes, a hundred percent I think it's that. But I've got a really weird variable on top of that. I don't need it. Like I, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, by the way. Clip this audio in 13 years when I crash and burn and say you needed it. I just don't think I need it. Well, you're not going to crash and burn. I just want to do a a serious intro. Uh, We've known each other for years, but even before we knew each other, your first two books, Crush It and Thank You Economy, were, were books that had huge influence on me and how I dealt with content and building up my own, for lack of a better word, personal brand. Then your very tactical book, um, your tactical books, uh, jab, 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 right, right hook, and then ask Gary V. We're very good at giving almost step by step details on how to use kind of then current technologies to to build your brand, build your business, whatever. Now 
You've taken uh, building your personal content to a whole new level. Uh, you do videos all the time. You write articles. It's all always great stuff. I want to talk about two of your videos that you've that you, they're just they're just brilliant. I think I highly recommend them for everyone. Um, How do I start? Which was just published a week ago, and your ten rules for success. So I'm just going to dive right into them. Yeah. First off, how's it going? How's the agency business? Vayner Media is crushing. It's going extremely well. I heard you have like 800 employees. Yeah, 750 or so. That's really hard to do. Yes, it is. It's uh, which feels awesome. Like I feel very accomplished. You know, I built I, I built along with my dad Wine Library. I kind of got on the map, and then the whole crush it Gary Vee thing happened, and I was like, wait a minute, people only think I'm that guy. And so I really needed Wine Library. I needed to build another actual business. This is right. a Madison Avenue advertising agency that works with Toyota and Chase and Budweiser. They don't care about Gary Vee. They care about an agency delivering work that sells shit. And so it's been very, very gratifying for me in building the fastest growing digital agency in the world from scratch along with my brother, and AJ left a couple of years ago, about how, a year ago. And and how's AJ doing? Great. He has Crohn's disease, uh, is what you're referring to. Uh, so he decided the stress of it all was getting too much, but he took some time off and decided he wanted to run the sports agency. We bought a small sports agency called Symmetry Sports. We rebranded it to Vayner Sports. We just flipped Braxton Miller over to us, the Ohio State uh, superstar, and next year is going to be a massive year for it. So he's doing great. Oh, that's awesome. Which makes me very happy. Um yeah, man, it's it's super fun. I, I think I'm going to build a billion-dollar agency, which is going to feel uh, good on so, the competitive so, business track of my life. So, I mean, 800 employees, you must have, uh, I'm just I'm just guessing, uh, just based on how agencies work, you must have like 100 million plus revenues. We do. Would you consider uh, uh, selling that right now just to no. you know leverage that into the no, next thing? No, because... You know, luckily, I've between the Facebook and 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 Twitter and and Tumblr and other Buddy Media, all these investments, right? I've made a good amount of money. I don't need the money. I don't want the money. I want a marketing machine, like the Death Star of marketing, that is mine, that I can run things through. So my long-term vision in the next decade, you know, when I go into my early fifties, I'll go out and buy Cracker Jacks or Puma or Yahoo chocolate milk. And I'll run them through the Vayner kind of Death Star machine while still being an agency, right? If I bought Snickers, I may have to resign Hershey's if I had them as a client. There may be some conflicts, but I'm not going to buy a lot of brands, but I'm going to buy big, big brands. You're going to buy these. I remember talking yeah, to you slightly brands. about this yeah, mm-hmm. about a year ago. Yeah, nostalgic brands mm-hmm. like, like Bazooka Gum. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's how I'm going to buy the Jets. I think my career narrative, at least at this point, my belief is that I will buy... Head sneakers or 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 the blockbuster video uh, brand again. These things that you loved as a twelve year old. It's funny when you were talking, and we were talking about the Jets and all that. I was quietly. I'm glad it got brought back up. I was about to jump in, but I'm trying to let people speak in my older age. And uh, I was thinking, crap, this is exactly why I love nostalgia. I always have. I always will. And I'm glad that I'm pushing myself towards that sun. Because when you're doing what you love and you're into, it just gives you that 100th extra inch that you need to really get crazy. And that, I think so. That's so important. And I think that's the point people miss when they hear entrepreneurship, when they hear hustle and grind, when they hear, you know, 
get whatever it is, whatever motivational thing they that is that they 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 hear, they forget that they have that the person who loves what they're doing is going to beat the person who doesn't love what the, they're doing. The thing, the thing that a lot of people get caught up on with my my spiel, other spiels of high energy, or I think it's all optimism. You know, I, I think it's more optimism than it is motivation. The way it filters through my brain, I'm just optimistic. I don't know why I would not be. Uh, I don't know, like, you know, I just don't dwell. I don't think anybody listens to my complaining. Um, and so I, I think that what people are missing is patience. I mean, that to me, self-awareness, patience, you know, empathy, gratitude. There's so many other, it's funny for me that hustle and crush it and bro it up or I get why people associate that with me and I understand how I communicate. But if you asked me, somebody asked me on a podcast, if you can only pick one, self-awareness or hustle. I watched that one. And I said, self-awareness fast. And he was caught off guard. It's because if you don't know who you are, it's over. So let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Because, um, you know, one thing you talk about is your your optimism. Yes. But I don't think optimism is the same as not dwelling. I think not dwelling is saying, okay. Those are two totally different things. I agree. Right. So optimism, you know, often we kind of have, you know, it's like Andy Grove, you know, only the paranoid survive. Optimism sometimes is not the best business strategy. Well, real quick, real quick. There's a big difference between optimism and delusion. Right. Like I think optimism is practicality, right? Like, by the way, that that's an important key in you know, why most self-help is written by authors and not successful people. A hundred percent. It's why I am proud. One of the biggest reasons I've quadrupled down on my personal brand is I'm noticing a lot of 15 to 25 year olds listening to me. And to be very frank, I just feel literally a sense of responsibility because I know if they don't listen to me, they're going to listen to a lot of alternative stuff. And I know my stuff suffocates out the bullshit. Yeah, and I think it's important to keep uh, accelerating on that. So you also talk about- Well, that's about- why I keep building businesses in parallel. Even, I mean, look, and I'm sure you know this and, and, and you, you live this as well. It's really weird what runs through my mind sometimes. I'm like, man, why the, what is the matter with me? I can cash in, have $100 million in cash, not like value, like really have money, like real money, like even set me up for the Jets if I do the right thing with it. And- I can shed all the shit and just spend time making content, which makes me enormously happy and admiration and it feels good, right? And it's really funny. And I sit there and I think, I'm like, what does it matter with me? Why do I need to keep eating shit and building businesses? The reason is I don't think I could talk and make content if I wasn't doing businesses in parallel. James, do you know there's never been a day in my life since I was 22 years old, the day I graduated college, that I haven't been operating a business? Like in between Wine Library was Wine Library and VaynerMedia at the same time. There's never been a day where I have not been the operator of a very big business or emerging big business in my life. There was no break in between Wine Library and VaynerMedia to be crush at Gary Vee. I have operated a business in parallel. When people realize that Gary Vee is my side hustle, for all my friends that are spending 100% of their time building their brand, they sometimes get mad at me. They're like, fuck. Like they don't like, like they're like kind of like, woo, that's a little weird actually that you're doing such a good job. It's because I've created a context, a daily vlog. Like I've created a framework for it, but I'm always operating because I don't think I would talk 
if I wasn't doing. So there, there's so much there I want to talk about. Okay. First off, <laughs> you, you've, you've beaten me by seven years because I would say for me, it's not since I was 22, but since I was 29 that I've been operating ever since. And yep. now I'm 49. Yep. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, one thing, first off, I want to step back. One thing you say is, uh, people need to develop patience. Yes. And in 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 your video, how do I how do I start? You say people need to develop macro patience. And uh, there's a couple things there. One is patience, and this happens with almost everybody I've interviewed. Probably everyone you've interviewed. You talk to someone who's like, let's say, a stand-up comedian, and now they're starting to be on TV shows or movies or whatever. And you think, oh yeah, I became aware of you a year or so ago. You're really funny. They've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah, at least minimum yep. is 15 years. And some I talked to someone last week it was 30 years. So of 10 shows a week. So and it's not as if okay, 30 years ago they were sad and now they're happy because they're accomplished. It's you have to celebrate those small successes along the way. But describe what you mean by macro patience. Ma you know, so patience scares me because I also think that you have to be real fast and intense and hyper on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm trying to squeeze a week's worth of work into a day every single day that I work five days a week, you know? And so I'm worried to use the word patience because I think a lot of people are lazy and complacent and are looking for shortcuts during their day in and day out. And for me, that's the reverse. You need to be frantic on a day-to-day -day basis. Even though I'm working 15 hours a day and doing a hundred different things every single day and basically have zero minutes of downtime. I mean, even like sneaking in that call before I walked in here and I was like, I felt weird because I saw you and I didn't want to be rude to that dude. And I was like, uh, and I, you know, like I'm just trying to squeeze everything out of every day. On the flip side, when people roll up on me and say, Gary Vee, when are you going to buy the Jets? Like next year, right? I'm like, no, 20 years from now. They're like disappointed. And I'm always like smile in my heart because I'm like, you don't get it. You have to be macro patient. If you know, for me, life is long. Like life is actually long and life is a marathon. So why wouldn't I be running one? So when I say macro patience, if you really want to accomplish something special, if you understand what your legacy is, you've got to understand that will take decades. It will take decades. Nobody has ever built anything meaningful that hasn't taken an obnoxious amount of time. I agree with that. And I think also in order to in order to get there, in order to put in those decades, A, you have to love it. Love. And and I and I admit for be myself. Be addicted to it. You have to be addicted to it. And I have to, I admit for myself, it's been misery the the years or the decade when I didn't realize that. When I was doing something for the money yep. and not for the love. Yep. It's only when you're like you you talked about content creation, how you could like take money off the table and just be a content creator. Your content creation is so good. I almost view you as like a a modern movie producer, you know, using all the latest technologies. So you could do that. But I think it's also really important. Like we could sit here all day, you know, podcasting our latest philosophies, but you have to you have to do for people to understand, for you to be able to communicate what you're doing. I, you know, for me, and by the way, other people have different processes. I decided to build a private equity firm. That's really where I'm going with this. And I decided to eat shit for 10 years to learn corporate America CPG land. I created an what agency. What do you mean CPG? Uh, consumer packaged goods, right? So the Procter & Gamble's, the Crafts, the Coca-Cola's. So I decided in the prime of my career, 35 years old, just invested in Facebook, Twitter. I'm the, you know, one of the top 50 people followed on Twitter when that was the only platform. Like I was in it a decade ago, seven years ago. And I decide 
I'm gonna build an agency and have clients and fly around and have meetings and eat shit, eat shit, eat shit for a decade in the prime of my career just to build a foundation to the next thing that I'm gonna do. You know, I think that is interesting. And the other thing is, and I'll tell you why I think it's interesting. I have loved that I am still easily considered one of the top thought leaders in whatever modern media is out of actually doing the work. I like looking at those videos in 2012 when Fat Gary says Snapchat's gonna be big. Oh my God, first off, this, the, <laughs> the, the, um, you know, you, you, you know, how to start video. Yes. You're pulling stuff from 2008. Yep. From 2012. Yep. You're, you're calling yourself Fat Gary. <laughs> I pointed out to her on the cab ride yes. down. Uh, boy, he's lost weight since 2012. You were not fat. No, I wasn't. Let's just be clear. I wasn't. But, but, but I'm in much better shape. Yeah, you're in good shape now. You clearly put some work into it. But um, there's the one thing you say in the very beginning of that video that I love the phrase, uh, you know, documenting instead of creating. Yes. So tell me what that means. This is maybe my... So by the way, D-Rock's obviously right behind you. We're, we're, we're filming Daily V right now. The great thing about Daily V, besides the fact that my great-grandkids are going to be able to literally watch me at a level that is so spooky to me and so exciting to me. I, I almost, I want to live forever, but I'm almost willing to fast forward to being 70 just to see how they interact with all this, right? I can't wait to like get a phone call or whatever the way we communicate. Like, Grandpa, okay, in 2016, you said, I mean, that's going to be wild. Anyway, I'm, in, I'm meeting some young kid. He won a contest to spend some time with me, which I love doing that kind of crap. It's fun. That is cool. I'm going to do that. You should definitely do that. Do something with like engaging with this podcast and then they get to hang with you and they want to. Yeah. And it's good to give back and it's fun for you. It's gamifying. It's fun. Anyway, we're just jamming and I can see like, you know, it just happened. I gave a good piece of advice, which was, hey man, I think you're overthinking this. Why don't you think of it as documenting instead of creating? So many people, James, that are listening right now that want to build brand for their business or for themselves, they want to figure out the show, the pillar, the strategy that's going to make it work. My big thing is, instead of trying to make Three's Company or, or MASH, try to make you know, the Kardashians or, or whatever reality TV show you want to call it if that upsets you by using them as an example. But the punchline being, make a documentary instead of a feature film and then you don't have to think at all. Well, and, 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 and I'm going to jump in here before you jump in because I want, I want to give, what I'm trying to do is give more people permission to do. That's, that's why it's so powerful. And there, and there really is no excuse because like, D-Rock's got this really nice yep. camera here, yep. but the iPhone camera is better than every single camera in the world from 15 years ago. It's insane what we have at our fingertips. We have unbelievable production capabilities and unlimited distribution with YouTube and Facebook, stuff that would literally cost tens of millions of dollars in infrastructure just 30 years ago, and everybody's got a shot. And so if you really think you know more about Star Trek than anybody, you need to get out there. Like if you were the foremost expert of 1987 to 1994 WWF wrestling, you can make $100,000 a year if you know more about Papa fucking Shango than most people. Well, and again, that's a good point. By the way, the uh, I'm I just I, I need to see how many people know who Papa Shango is. Hit I have me up no on idea. Twitter. But the, but I but the point there is you do because you must have loved it at some point. I did, which is why I weirdly think I may end up buying the WWE one day. I always think that might be a weird one that I swoop up in my sixties. When Vince McMahon runs for president in twenty twenty four, you know, to follow Donald Trump, that's right. then maybe you'll. Uh... By the way, speaking of the ne in seven years, and because I'm already, I don't know if he's going to win for. Or whatever, but like the field, 
in that presidential election, Shaq, you know, <laughs> like like uh, Kathy Lee Griff. I mean, like, like Clooney, Clooney's definitely going to run. Like, you might, I, I think you have a shot. Uh, well, have, we'll do a ticket together. <laughs> I wish I could. Listen, here's my problem with the ticket. If I was born in America, on my children's health, I would run in seven years. The problem is I wasn't, and I can't be vice president. So, well, you can't even be vice president if you weren't born in America. But, oh, fuck. Yeah, because you could be president if you're vice president. And God damn it, social studies and history were the only things I got B's and C's and I even fucked that up. I'm well, pissed right now. that's okay. You can really always upset. call really, me for constitutional you me advice. There. But, you know, documenting... Hold on, I haven't of, recovered. You really, you, you got me on that one. All right, go ahead. You could be, you could be a congressman, though. So I can't even be, be speaker of the house, right? Because it's a third in line? Like, no, you could be speaker of the nice. house because you'd have to... Uh, like I have D-Rock as my backup? Yeah, he yeah, could okay. be president pro tem of the Senate. <laughs> D-Rock, I'm going to make you president seven years. You're minority <laughs> leader. <laughs> I'm pissed now. All so, right, go ahead. Documenting instead of yes. creating also reminds me of a phrase I like to think about, which is that process is art. So everybody mm. thinks, mm-hmm. oh, I've got to work on the book and the book's great and then that's what's going to uh, set me out there. But the whole process of putting together the book now, that in today's world is art. People want to know the how. They want to know every step of the way because that's art also. And that's what you do. Like, I don't see the day-to-day of when you're meeting with Toyota or Hershey or GM or whoever, but you're documenting so much of what you do, I get to see the process of what's going on in your life. And that, to me, is the art of what, why, why you're an artist and not just a businessman. I think Daily V has real... You know, I started Daily V for me, 16-year-old me. I did not learn from... I didn't read. Like, I, like documentaries have taught me the far majority of what I know in a lot of ways. So I would tell you that I flat out... And, it's, and by the way, nothing feels better for me than reading a YouTube comment that says, holy crap, I learned from that. That I mean, there was a CEO who sent me a very emotional email that started with this. My company is completely transformed in a hundred days because of you, which I get a lot. And it's usually a bunch of great stuff, but nothing like what he's about to say. He says, he watches a Daily V and notices over a hundred episodes that I open doors or let my employees walk into elevators first. I mean, Jesus, like it, when he wrote it, I was like, what? I, like, it didn't even like register in my mind, right? I mean, I mean, it made me think immediately like my mom did a good job and taught me manners, right? Anyway, he notices on himself that he doesn't do that and that he adjusts it because he's caught by it and that it completely transforms his company, that it becomes the domino of him working for them instead of them working for him. I think that's really interesting. I'll tell you a story. One time, Seth Godin was sitting right where you're sitting and we were doing a podcast and he said to me, um, do you want a cup of water? And he went and got me a cup of water. Like, I think that kind of um, uh, either graciousness or gracefulness, I think is important in life. We only live this life once and to be, you talk about self-awareness, but I think that's a difficult concept for people. But I think humility is the doorway to that self-awareness. And here's rounding it back to 15 to 25-year-old A dudes that are competitive and hyper and like me. When Seth does that, it fits the part for everybody. When I hang with Seth, they're always like, oh, there's the gentleman with the chaotic dude. When I do those things and people can see it, it catches them off guard because I've got the other extreme kind of personality traits. And thus, I'm giving permission for that guy a lot of times or that A-list gal to be like, wait a minute, I can be on fire 
and out in front and peacocking like a rooster, right? But I can also, also do that other thing. And in that contradiction is a permission for people that look like one part of me to do the other part and that's where the good stuff comes in. I think that's right. And I think it's those contradictions that create the art. Like I think if people haven't watched a lot of your videos or or read your books, they might miss that. They might they say definitely miss that they might say Gary's like he's he's that crazy guy who's yep. like screaming about entrepreneurship. Yep. And they're not missing the points that you you've always done what you love. Like you wrote about, uh, I mean, you didn't write about you, you in that, again, in that video, um, how to start. You really like that video. I love that video. It makes me very happy. I'll tell you why. Our team really worked on that one. We put out a lot of content. D-Rock, is that you? Nope, it wasn't. It was Tyler You must have done shot some of that video. Yeah, of course, but. Who edited know, the video? Tyler. Tyler. Right, so who, your team. Who, yeah, I mean, Tyler, who also does a lot of Daily V and to D-Rock's credit, like, you know, they jam together and he's, he's very talented. We really tried on that. We, you know what's great about that one? And I'm just, this is just now advice for everybody. I'm really winning. I've really figured out this content thing. Thank you for the praise. I'm really happy that we keep adjusting. We made that video. The way we used to do that video is something would be on my mind or D-Rocks, but we'd come up with something. Then I would add a little color, right? Like if we knew we had something good, there'd be a clip. I would create an original piece of content just for a little more context and we'd go and it would do well. We've done right. 11 of those. But it was funny. This one... We took a step back. We're always changing too. And we're like, wait a minute, this is actually really good. Let's do this over the course of a week or two. Ended up being a month, which is unheard of in our land. Our land is 24 hours. Right. Um, I don't know. It just makes me feel good that no, like I, we I, saw it and that you felt it that way. And I know you're a judge of that, my content and the world's content. So I'm pumped right now. Actually. Well, I mean, I've been, I've been watching your videos since you started creating them. And I've, well, since Wine Library days. Yep. And so I've, I've, I see a real... Um, in the past few years, a real evolution in your video where you have the Daily V, like, here's what I'm thinking today, here's what I'm thinking right now, and those do really well. Like, when you're able to say, here's what I'm thinking right now, and this is interesting enough for me to communicate, that's great. What I saw in this How to Start video was, and this is really to the credit of the editor, and you, and you, um, you have all of these clips over years. It's your documenter, you're documenting instead of creating. And he, the editor created a unified arc of a story there's you go back and forth between the present time 2012 2008 uh and you're staying staying consistent with message but we have to we have to pay attention because you're talking um if your manifesto is about smurfs do this but then you're talking about right to every coffee blogger and then you're on the phone with the beer guy we have to build we have to the viewer you're you're outsourcing a little more of the work to the viewer it's a smart piece of content yes it's I, a smart i think it's a I good think piece that's where you, i appreciate it i'm excited so 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 let's talk about that yeah. though like you, you know, in that video, you say, and and this is also part of the 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 finding your your childhood love in terms of where to start. You say make a manifesto, yes. but you don't say make a manifesto about entrepreneurship. No, it might be about Smurfs, it might yes. be about coffee or the Jets. So, tell, what's make a manifesto? I mean, this is why you know my, the the book I'm coming out with uh, early next year is called Crushed It. It's a it's a follow up. Oh, and, I love and, that. I and, didn't know that. And the reason I'm doing it is. And you're on this, like you're you're pushing this narrative here. That's why I'm jumping in. You're right, man. Like, there's like I don't think I ever want to get too far away from. There's a real correlation between doing things around your favorite things. It's just easier when shit is bad. Like I'm looking forward to the 0 and 16 Jets season. 
Like, like, I really think that everybody who's listening has been passionate about some sort of thing in their lives, something. Whether it was Atari, you know, whether, whether it was making, whether it was jelly shoes. Do you remember jelly shoes? I don't. Do you remember jelly shoes? Yeah, they were, they were this big fad from 1984 to 86, feels right, 84 to 89. I mean, nonetheless. What were they? They were just like these gel, I don't know, r- rubber shoes, cut, right? Help me. Slip-ons. They were, just, they were just a fad, right? Garbage pail kids, you know, you know, Pokemon. Like if you, for example, Pokemon. If you read Crush It in 09 and you decided to build the blog, which later became the video blog, which later became the podcast around Pokemon. A lot of people, you know, that was like an era where po- Pokemon was in the culture, but not too crazy. Just Pokemon, right? If you became the foremost Pokemon gal, Sally the Pokemon gal, and you just owned it, and you were just getting by, you had to have a side job, but you'd go to Comic-Con, you'd show up at shows, you'd get an occasional weird $500 sponsorship on your blog, but you were a good business person, and you actually made a little bit more, and you're trucking along, and then Pokemon Go comes out, and you're now on CNN, and on Fox, and in all these places, and now you're getting paid $5,000 to give a talk about it. Like, the world would have walked into you instead of you walking to where the money is. Everybody who's listening right now is looking for trends. Oh, these spinners are cool. They're trying to walk to where the world is now and by the time they get there, the world moved on. If you go to your thing and set a fucking flag on your thing, I genuinely believe that there's a lot of moments where the world comes to you. Every kid I grew up with who got talked out of playing video games because they had to be a doctor or lawyer by their parents could have had the talent to make $10 million a year being an esports star. But in 1988 to 1993, who the hell knew that esports was coming? Let's stop and take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you could take a vacation to anywhere in the world, where would you go? Pause this podcast for a second and just think about that. Where would I go? Hmm... I think I would go to Iceland. I wonder if Princess Cruises go there. I'm going to go to their website and check it out. Well, whether you want to climb the ancient ruins of Machu Picchu in Peru or walk amongst the intricate architecture and enchanting cherry blossoms of Tokyo, Japan, Princess Cruises can turn your dream into a reality. As a matter of fact, voted best itineraries, Princess Cruises sails to over 360 destinations worldwide. So no matter where you want to go, chances are... Princess Cruises can take you there. Better yet, there's never been a better time to plan a vacation with Princess Cruises than during one of their most popular sales of the year, which is right now. Three for free. I can't, I don't even, I can't comprehend that. On over 200 cruises across every destination, guests will enjoy free onboard spending money. What? They're going to give me money? Free gratuities and a free stateroom location upgrade. Just visit princess.com slash James for details. That's princess.com slash James. Chip and Dan Heath, the New York Times bestselling authors of Switch and Made the Stick, return with a really exciting new book. I like this book a lot, The Power of Moments. The Power of Moments explores why certain brief experiences can jolt us and elevate us and change us and how we can learn to create such extraordinary moments in our lives and work. Research in psychology 
teaches us that our memories are not like films that we can rewind and watch from beginning to end. Instead, they're more like snapshots or snippets, fragments. And we tend to cling to particular minutes or hours that rise above the surrounding weeks and months, tending to remember only the best, worst, or the last moment of an experience. This is very critical when you're trying to figure out how to create new such moments. So many of our defining moments in our lives are simply the result of an accident, like what was the last moment of an experience. But why would we leave our most meaningful moments to chance when we can create them? What if a manager, for instance, knew exactly how to turn an employee's moment of failure into a moment of growth? What if you can create memories that matter for your children? I have to say, this is a book that has practical use and has helped me. To download the first chapter of the book for free, visit thepowerofmoments.com slash James. That's thepowerofmoments.com slash James. I think that's what you've been so good at with your clients and with the individuals you reach out is you kind of encourage them to hit their natural strengths as opposed to, okay, now you've got to like hustle and make all these calls and get clients. Like, let's talk about your, your, your coffee example in the, in the start from the make a manifesto straight to the contacting 4,000 coffee coffee? blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say, let's say your love was coffee. So you became a barista at 21. You're, you're sitting right now. You're, you love coffee. You, it's either what you do as a barista or you're in the industry a little bit, or it's your number one thing outside of work. Like you can't wait for the morning, your lunchtime and after work to get a coffee, but then you like to make fun of people that buy Starbucks because you're a real coffee person and you like really know your stuff and you're on some, and by the way, this is crazy that they're still around. I can't believe that we haven't really replaced bulletin boards. It's incredible how many bulletin boards and forums still do incredibly well. And you're into that, you talk to that, you'll even once or twice a year go to a competition. That's your world, that's your hobby. I can't- Because rap- you love right. it. I can't wrap my head around why it wouldn't make sense to spend three hours out of every day, call it 9 p.m. to midnight, or if you got the kind of job where you can sneak in two hours of the coffee work when nobody's watching, like, I don't care. Like, this is your life, right? Why you would not spend three hours a day either in written form, in audio like you and I are doing right now, or in video like we're being filmed right now, and put out content If you document, see what hurts people is, well, I don't know if I know enough about coffee. All these other people know more. So who am I to start a coffee show? Okay, I've now given you permission by documenting versus creating. Go every day and review every cup of coffee you drink. Three times a day on Instagram, take a photo, leave 13 sentences, one sentence, I don't know how happy you get in writing, and leave your two thoughts. Reach out to all the coffee bloggers or baristas in the world. Ask them to be on your podcast. Or ask to go, ask to have your reviews on their blogs. Well, what you're talking about, which I'm glad you picked up on, I'm obsessed right now with business development through direct messaging on Instagram. I think everybody who's listening, whoever you want to reach in the world, make a list of 500 people you want to reach in the world. And over the next two months, 5, 10, 15 people a day, 30 people a day, you should DM them and create some sort of conversation that allows for that to happen. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get to one. Yes, and let me let me add to that. A, come up with ideas for them always. with no expectation back. You've always been good at this. I've always listened and heard you at conferences when we hang. Like, that's exactly, like, I, I get a thousand a day. I, I respond to two. Right, like, like if someone says to you, Gary, uh, 
uh, what things do you need help with? I'll help you with anything. That's giving you homework. You can't respond can't to that. Respond to that. But if they say, Gary, or my favorite, I'm sorry, before you say, yeah, Gary, I'm going to help you buy the Jets. Read this, and it always starts with give me a million dollars, and then when I make this a trillion dollar company, I mean, like, literally, the quickest way for me to mentally punch you in the mouth is for you to send me an email saying I'm going to help you buy the Jets. But if someone actually gave you an idea, like. Um, I don't know what that idea might be. Well, I'll give what, you. What, I'll give it to you because it happens. Yeah. Hey Gary, I noticed on your Snapchat thing you didn't use this filter. You you might have missed it. And by the way, nine out of ten times I know and I missed it, but one out of ten times I don't know and I'm like, cool, thank you, right? Or or I think connecting people is a real leverage to people like you and I. Hey. Like if they really have a relationship with somebody and they've already talked to that person, like the thing that I've noticed I've reacted to is like, hey, I'm a, you know, I'd really like to put you and blank together. And a lot of times that blank is somebody I want to get together with or take the chance on getting together with. I've always found that to be a very smart move as well. Yeah. And I like how you put it there. He's asking your permission first. A hundred percent. So it's permission networking is so much better than, again, I hate when someone says, you know, James meet Jack, Jack meet James, I'm out of this. And now suddenly I have homework or else I'm like rude to Jack or I'm rude to the guy. Like I much prefer when people ask me, hey, can I introduce you to Jack? Here's the reason why. Now let, and while we're on this, because I know a lot, I know a good, I have a good feel for your audience, which is rad people that I, I, I like, we, we share a lot and you've got your own separate uh, pockets. The worst version of everything we just talked about is doing anything with the full expectation of your actual ask behind it. The quickest way right. that I will never talk to a person ever again is they'll do something. Here, Gary, here's a painting. And then, comma, by the way, you owe me, like, literally, you owe me. I didn't ask for your fucking painting, And it bro. happens all the time. That's, people all view that as a strategy. Time. It doesn't work. So there's almost, there's, unfortunately, there's more things that don't work than that do work. But these strategies that you talk about in in all of your videos, but I've been focusing on how do I start and then your your 10 rules for success. These are strategies that actually work because we know they've worked at least for each other. So. Not only for each other, on us, when I observe the, most of the, by the way, I rarely think about things that are really mine. I'm really reacting to what I just observe other people doing. Well, like the permission thing, you know, this is so important. Like, look at, like, we're, we're moving from, and we already moved from it a long time ago, but but people are starting to realize it now, a certification-based society yeah. to a skill-based society. So take, like, uh, I don't know if you know Dan Carlin, Hardcore History. He's got a successful podcast. He's not a historian, but he, but he was apparently just sitting around the kitchen table with his mom and his mom said, you're always talking about history. Why don't you do a podcast about it? And he's like, well, I'm not a professional historian. Now he's got the most popular podcast on history. Yeah, man. I mean, like, and we see that every day from people thank we you know. For saying that, and like, geez, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped right now because it's so crush it. Like, watching crush it mature and become real, it's so real, James. Listen, honestly, left turn. Here, here's what we're doing. I'm gonna do something wild right now because I can feel it. It just bubbled up. If you are start, if you are listening right now and you actually start your first two episodes of a podcast because of this, around whatever, I don't give a fuck, jelly, you know, uh, sneakers, um, you know, buying, if you start this, I'll definitely love it, going to garage sales, buying stuff and flipping it, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you do it off of this, because we know the date this will air, and I can see, and I'll do the homework, hit me up on Twitter, say, hashtag, I started, Gary V, right? 
or I want James in it. Gary V and James, I started. Long hashtag, because I need to filter them. But if you've actually taken the first step and have done two episodes of your podcast, I will come and make surprise five-minute appearances on all of them. All right, I will match you on that as well. I'll do five minutes on that as well. And let me tell you what just happened. Fuck, this is gonna be a problem because there's gonna be thousands. But anyway, let me tell you what just happened. You're gonna leverage our two names as episode three and four, and it's gonna change the course of your game. And again, it's all about documenting as well. Like they might not be good at going to flea markets and flipping stuff, but they're learning and they're trying. Well, that's, by the way, the journey. Like, do you know how pissed I am that I wasn't doing Daily V when I was 22? Like seeing young brash Gary who was making mistakes and learning along the way and like doing great and like the internet, I'm telling you this internet thing is real. Everybody says it's a fad or I think people are gonna buy tomatoes on the internet, you know, and then Fresh Direct comes out and be like, I fucking told you to make, you know, like that would have been, think about it. I mean, I know how you've rolled the ups and downs and like, but a lot of what you believed became true. Yeah. A lot of it. It would have been cool. So, so you know, or, or I apologize because I, I want to balance the, the, the bravado or when I would have made a video and been like, yo, Bongo, yo, Bongo is going to be the biggest social network besides Facebook in the world. Like I believed that because I, you know, I thought that what Grindr was doing was going to happen to men and women. It did eventually. It was called Tinder, uh, but I was four years too early. But it, it's great to try all of these different platforms because then you then you know then you can know which ones to double down on once 100%. you start to get success. I'm always going to be a plumber and a mason along with my architecture skill set, and I genuinely believe that separates me from the masses. And, and by the way, um, just I just want to add to start a podcast. It's not like like you and I right now we're sitting here in the studio, but. To start a podcast, and you talk about this again in your in your you know how to start video, you just need to record. You don't need to do any interviews. You just need to record five, ten, Skype. twenty minutes of stuff. Call some. You know, nobody yeah. has to travel to you. If you. I don't want to hear that I'm in Wichita, Kansas. Like, get on Skype, DM five hundred people that collect strawberry shortcake figures uh, for your strawberry shortcake figure podcast. Seventeen of them, because it's strawberry shortcake figures. Excuse me. 319 of them are gonna write you back and be like, sure, when do you wanna do it? I mean, this we are in excuses. If you do not do the thing that you love and make either happiness of the journey or some side money or completely transform your life, that's on you. That's You've decided to be a pessimist. You've decided to close that door. There is no infrastructural or financial situations left stopping you. Now it's just your fucking head. Yeah, and, and, and again, you do that with Skype or you do that with your phone. You can upload to iTunes. You can upload to Stitcher, which is like the Google version. And then you're launched. By the way, you have a podcast. Quick, again, because we're helping here, how to start a podcast. Go Google that. And there's unlimited people. Pat Flynn, I'm sure, has made one. And 7,000 other people that know what the fuck they're doing have made one. If you're a bad reader like me, you can go on YouTube and watch the video version of how to start a podcast. It's all there. We are in full excuse mode. We are in full excuse mode. You're listening to this show, which means you already care about James's content, which that means to me that you're on the edge of doing it anyway. Like, what are you waiting for? You know, and you, um, I, I also really like the idea of having a manifesto of some sort. It doesn't have to be a thousand pages, but like you loved wines when you were younger. Yes. So I didn't even know this until I was preparing for this podcast. I always thought your first book was Crush It, which I read and reread and enjoyed. And I read all of your stuff, obviously. 
but you wrote 101 wines, your manifesto on wines. And that's how your video and your brand first kind of got out there for, actually, for Wine Library. Actually, yes and no. Yet my video bo- podcast started working in 2006 and seven, and I got a book deal and it was crazy. Like Rodell Books, like a real publisher, like Men's Health, like it was surreal. It was unbelievable. And then, and it, and it's so, back then it was an anomaly. People were confused that a YouTube person could do all these things. Now it's the standard. Yeah. And uh, I think what we've spent the last 15 minutes on is trying to suffocate all the variables to why not. Because I'll be honest with you, I just want everybody to hear this. I've never said this out loud. I'm pretty sure I've never said this out loud. I am trying to push people to do things because I'm selfish. Do you know how bad I want somebody to roll up on me at Disney World seven years from now when I'm with my kids on Space Mountain and say, yo, yo, Gary V, Gary V. And I'm going to be like, hey. And they're going to say, listen, in 2017, I listened to a podcast with James and you, and now I'm the biggest in the world. I am the number one foremost expert on Home Depot. (laughs) And Home Depot now sponsors me and I make a million dollars a year. I do it because I'm selfish. This last 15 minutes wasn't me being nice. It was me being selfish because I know it's realistic. But you know, uh, uh, this is this is a very important concept to me because when I wrote the book, Choose Yourself, everyone thought, oh, choose yourself. Is this all about being selfish? Shouldn't you like choose others or help others? But when you work on your own strengths and the things you're good at and your talents and you start sharing them, that's the way to choose yourself. And that's how you help the most people. And you write this in, so in your first rule for Gary's 10 rules for success, bet on your strengths, you know, and so many people hire people like themselves or, or, and then they end up finding, they end up doing the paperwork that they don't want to do. They end up doing all the things they don't want to do, making the calls they don't like making. You have to, if we started off this podcast talking about choices and making, making more and more of your day, the choices that you want to do as opposed to what others want you to do. And I think betting on your strengths is an important tactical approach and that's being selfish. James, I can't put three sentences together. Let, let's just let's just like really get to the fucking punchline. I, Gary Vaynerchuk, am not capable of putting three clean grammar-based sentences together. I don't believe that. You just did it. <laughs> I did it. This is interesting. I know I just did it. I can say it, but I for something between my head and my mouth to the written word, something's lost. I don't put it together. And so I've literally written four New York Times bestselling books by just talking and having an incredible partner by the name of Steph Land to create the structure, to put them in the proper order and structure and chapters. And so I just don't understand why people don't understand this. Like, I don't even want to, do you know that I'm incapable of logistics? I, I could believe it. I could totally I, believe that. <laughs> I am not going to book my flight. I will not order food. Seamless change my life. I will now order food because that has helped me. But I couldn't order food. Like, I don't want to do anything logistically. Like, it's gotten so bad. Having D-Rock following me around has gotten even scarier. Here's why. I don't even want to figure out where we're going next. Like, I'm just like, like lost. I'm like back to being five years old. Like, D-Rock's like, uh. I'm like, okay. Like, D-Rock like, <laughs> follows you. How often, D-Rock, how often do you follow, how many hours a day do you follow Gary around? Every day. All day. Every how many day? hours? So, 14. so... Gary, do you feel the need to like entertain D-Rock? <laughs> like make sure he's doing interesting things? I think I've changed D-Rock's life. Do you know how that feels? Like, you know who you know who loves me the most? 
D-Rock, Tyler. <laughs> I'll tell you why. They see the real stuff. You know the nine, four, six hours that you don't see on Daily V? The way I handle firing somebody, the way I take care of a client, the way I addressed conflict, personal matters, people struggling with health issues, family issues. The, the thing that will absolutely allow me to go in the ground one day is knowing the people closest to me liked me the most. For all the admiration I have out there right now, the millions of followers, none of them love me as much as D-Rock and Tyler because they know the truth. That fucking feels great. So, you know, let's, let's dive down in that because you always say, put business in perspective, family first. And, you know, you described how, you know, your brother AJ took a break mm-hmm. from the business. Now mm-hmm. he's coming back and mm-hmm. into something he, he enjoys. Mm-hmm. I see you travel so much. Yeah. You know, you're, I mean, I remember one time we saw each other one day, then I had to go to a conference in California. You were at that conference in California speaking also. <laughs> and then you were off to the next thing. Where do you really find the balance? When is it, when is it too much? Uh, it's too much, never for me because I'm making those choices. It's too much when your wife or your husband or your children or somebody else significant to you, your partner, tells you it's too much. So, like, how many kids do you have right now? Two. So, uh, I mean, you must miss a baseball game every now and then. Absolutely. Now, every school recital and this and that, it is the number one priority. If I booked a speaking engagement for nine months from now and it lands, I'm screwed. And I'm screwed. And I will miss it. If I have Sprint or AT&T or Verizon CEO wanting to meet with me on Friday, and it is a big deal, could be $10 million for VaynerMedia, and Misha has a recital, I will miss the meeting because I'm in control of that. I'll beg and plead and hope and pray that I can reschedule for an hour later, two weeks from now, can I fly to you in Detroit? So I don't miss a lot because the only thing that completely crushes me is if I put my name on the marquee, have to be there, and it was months and months in advance without knowing what the kids were gonna pop up with. But other than that, yeah, and by the way, I don't judge myself, James. Like, this notion of the current politically correct nature of a parent, really? Really? You have to never miss anything? But, but, but you're okay with actually not instilling self-esteem and love and actually listen? Like, like it's ludicrous, the facade that people yeah. put up. I know who I am. I know how I'm going to parent. I know what I'm about. Like, do I want to miss a baseball game? No, I do not. Am I okay with missing a baseball game? Absolutely. It's funny. Um, Louis C.K. has a joke. Um, he was watching a football game, and after the football game, the the, the MVP, the, the most valuable player, gets on the, the the press and says, you know, I, I know my mom is up there in heaven watching down at me. And Louis C.K. says, <laughs> really? Like, can we just stop going to their kids' games once we're dead? <laughs> like, do I, I, do I still have to go to my kids' games? My dad came to this country with nothing. He missed every single one of my baseball games. It was the foundation of my life from second to sixth grade. It was the only thing I cared about. I, it, you know, it means very little to me in the scheme of things. Like, did I take note of it? A little bit, but it was, it was the 80s, right? Not everything was so politically correct. Um, did I, would I wish he was there? Sure, I guess. But like, people don't understand. For every action, there's a reaction. Were you, when you were, when you were in second grade, third grade, and you're playing a baseball game and you're hitting a home run. Well, I didn't hit did, home runs because I wasn't strong enough, but a great doubles hitter. Go ahead. Did, did you wish your dad was there to see? No. 
because I was grateful that my dad was working his fucking face off to provide me the ability to be playing baseball. And when you're an immigrant kid, you actually think about shit like that when you're in second grade. So, so what's interesting to me there is, you know, in your rules for success, you say, tell stories and people don't think of this. They think, okay, I've got to build an app and then how do I market my app and get people to swipe left all the time and, and share with their friends. But it gets down to what you just said. You just told a story from about your life from second grade to seventh grade and your dad and being an immigrant and success and so on. And that's that story is how you're going to live your life today. The, and, and stories are how we create these, these visions of the future. Because the best salespeople know that branding and marketing sells, not sales for sales. All these digital marketers that want to do fucking top of the funnel optimization, landing page optimization, every quant dollar and cent to make every justification of every action can only be so successful. They'll be successful. If you become a great whiz at all the arbitrages of the current internet, you will make money. The problem is, I don't want to be rich. I want to buy the fucking jets. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting to me because I relate in a different way. I don't want to by the Jets that costs a billion dollars. I'm very- uh, Three billion by the time I'm ready. Go ahead, maybe more. You know, I was in the hedge fund business for a while. I had, not only had my own, but I had offers to work for many multi-billion dollar hedge funds. But I really love writing and podcasting. So sometimes you have to, it's not all about making eight figures or 12 figures or whatever it is. I don't even know what many figures is different things are. It's, It's about doing what you love. We only get this one life. The pursuit of buying the New York Jets is everything to me. The day I buy the New York Jets, I may get depressed for 20 minutes. Then I'll focus on winning seven Super Bowls because those assholes in New England are going to probably have six by then. And so I, uh, I get it, man. Like, like, I wish that the thing that I love the most was a little bit more noble. I hate that people think I'm built around... I got to buy the Jets because it's so lame. They don't understand. It's the pursuit. I think, again, what people don't understand is that there are many small successes. Not even small. There are many successes along the way. And those are things that could be celebrated every single day. You, you don't, you're not only going to, you're not going to spend your life help, hoping for one celebration when you, the day you buy the Jets. You're celebrating today you too. something weird? Yeah. I don't celebrate shit. Let me explain. Because it's interesting the way you're positioning it. And I want to give clarity, at least from my perspective. I don't celebrate stuff. I don't celebrate Facebook's IPO. I don't celebrate Snapchat's IPO. I didn't celebrate Buddy Media going to Salesforce. I didn't celebrate Vayner's first $10 million client. I don't celebrate any of them because at a macro, I've already won. The celebration to me is literally the process. It's a big thing. I don't celebrate them. Now, listen, this is something AJ and I have talked about, which is like, geez, is this like a flaw? Is this like a miserable way to go? My problem is it's hard to fake being pumped when I'm more pumped at the macro that I'm even going through this than the thing that seemingly is a win in the short term. That's very interesting. I think uh, I'll give you I an example. have to understand Getting, that perspective. Yeah, I want to talk about this. Because uh, I, I thought you, I, I'm pumped right now. I was, I was like, wait a minute, I got to say this because he might find this interesting. I don't celebrate anything. But when I get an email from uh, Luis this week who said, hey, when I left the company four years ago, you said I always had a favor. And my ask is, I'd like you to meet my girlfriend who's looking for a job and then I'm going to do it. That gets me pumped. 
right? Like that's like legacy. That's like man of my word. That's like, man, I bet you he didn't think that I would do that after that four years ago. Like, like I like the process. I like the negative phone call from like, we have a problem here. I'm like, do we? Like, I love it. I'm like, do we really have a problem, client? Let's talk about it at a macro. Like, I'm winning with every fucking breath. So for me, the financial exits or the covers of magazines, which I've got a couple coming and I'm excited about, the vanity's great. You know, like I love the narcissistic nature of it. That's a part of me. But I don't celebrate them. Like, because they're not bigger than the whole process. Like, I just can't think that money or fame or a win on the board is bigger than the fact that I am playing the game. I, it's awesome. I like, I hated school, James. I hated it. Like every day I was doing something I didn't want to do and I couldn't wait for it to be over. And to think that the majority of people have that with their actual lives breaks my heart. So that's it. I don't, I can't, I can't muster the excitement because it doesn't trump the fact that I had the chance to win or lose at that thing. I like that thrill more. Okay, that, that, that puts it into perspective. I'm going to have to think about it because I, I enjoy the celebration. I like to celebrate everything. Can I tell you something real quick? Yeah. I think, first of all, I think you're luckier. I think I'm going into a little bit of a dark place. Like, let me, let me explain something. One of my favorite media companies, Recode, they write an article about Planet of the Apps, right? I have this new TV show coming out with Apple. They go, Plan the Apps is a new show coming out from Apple and Propagate. It's coming out this summer and it's a, it's a show about people pitching apps and this and that. And the, they have celebrity mentors, Will I Am, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jessica Alba, and others. She didn't even want to put my name in the article. There's only one other judge, it's me. When I read that, the level of happiness that went through my body would make your head spin. I live for chips on my shoulder. I live for underdog status. I love, thank you God for making me an immigrant and having nothing. It was the best. I love it. And as a matter of fact, I think I subtly sabotage my short-term successes so I can keep climbing. So let me ask you this, and I know you have to go. I'm going to be respectful of your time. <laughs> I know, it's, what, guys are laughing. It's weird. Like, what, I, I'm being serious, by the way. But you're, what you're doing is you're kind of reframing the conversation in your head, and I think that's very difficult for people to do. I think people, I think that's what you mean by optimism yes. rather than always take a, always think that the best thing will happen. I think more, more what optimism really means is reframing the conversation from it's auditing the situation that's yes. right audit the situation and now you have a choice and and lean into it in some way in, i like that you're putting that on top of it you have a choice here's what happened i think adversity is a massive positive you know what's that thing if it doesn't kill you it makes you strong i believe in that shit like i like it i like it I like it. But people pay lip service to it. So how does it make yes. you stronger at that moment? What do you do that makes it, that, that that second where you're reframing the conversation, when you see that and others, and you have that chip on your shoulder, how do you reframe it that second so it's positive? I'm going to fucking stick it to your face. <laughs> like, historically, I'm going to be right, and I'm going to be making fun of you on James fucking podcast. All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Gary. Love it. <laughs> Amazing. All right, man. I love you, man. 
For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network at jamesaltucher.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. Hey, thanks for listening. Listen, I have a big favor to ask you and it will only take 30 seconds or less. And it would mean a huge amount to me. If you like this podcast, please let me know. Please let the team I work with know. Please let my guests know. And you can do this easily by subscribing to the podcast. It's probably the biggest favor you could do for me right now. And it's really simple. Just go to iTunes, search for The James Altucher Show, and click subscribe. Again, it will only take you 30 seconds or less. And if you subscribe now, it will really help me out a lot. Thanks again.